are those without Jesus really lost? Now, I wonder what you thought when you read that question, that topic in the bulletin. You know, maybe some of you went, ah, not again. I already know what Y is going to say. Uh, Or maybe on the slightly more positive side, some of you have already tried filling up the blanks. Uh, trying to see if you can rightly anticipate, guess what I'm going to say. Or maybe some of you just had a debate with a relative or friend or colleague on this topic. And you're like, hey, wow, great, God answered my prayer. And you know, you're looking forward to uh, be armed with more points with how to maybe continue that conversation with your friend. Now, I dare say that none of us, none of us come to this question with a sort of seriousness and intensity that the Lord Jesus does. The sort of seriousness and intensity that the Lord Jesus, when he came to this question as recorded for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because there in the Garden... In uh, Matthew 26, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, if it is possible, if there is some other way, so that I don't have to do this, if there's some other way for people who are lost to be saved, if there's some other way, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So you see, it was not just an academic or theoretical question for the Lord Jesus. The answer to the question had profound personal implications for our Lord. And so with us, we must move beyond the academic, move beyond the theoretical to see the profound personal implication the answer to this question has for us also. So are those without Jesus really lost? In Matthew 26, Jesus went away a second time and prayed. And notice the difference in his prayer the second time. He says, My Father, if it is not possible... So the first time he prayed, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Second time he prays, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And because it was not possible, there was no other way. Those without Christ really are lost. And so God's will was done. God's perfect son went to the cross. God's perfect son drank the cup of God's wrath bone dry so that God's people would not have to face God's wrath because there was no other way because those without Jesus are really lost. Now I'm sure none of you are surprised that this is my answer. Um, So what we're going to do now is we're going to just pray You see, I've given you the answer to the question before I've even prayed. In the introduction, you've gotten the answer already. Uh, But after I pray, we're just going to simply look at the evidence 
and the clear testimony of Scripture so that we are enabled by God to move beyond the academic, move beyond the theoretical, and so that we consider the profound personal implications that the clear testimony of Scripture gives as the answer to this question. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time that we can look into your word. We thank you for the freedom that we have and that we have your word in a language we can understand. Father, we ask now that you may, in grace and mercy, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you more, so that we may know your truth, so that we may know your heartbeat, so that we may know your purposes for us, for your church, for us as your people, for us as individuals. Please, through your word, speak to us. Help us not waste this one life that we have, that you've given to us. Waste it on things that don't matter. Waste it on things that are success only in worldly terms, but to you means nothing. Father, please speak to us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, like I said, you're not surprised at uh, my answer, but you should also not be surprised that there are other answers to this question. Okay, Is uh, Jesus the only way? Are those without Jesus really lost? There are other views. And uh, there's a view that's called uh, universalism, which is uh, gives a different answer, which is if there's hell, if a hell exists, then that hell is empty of people. Because God is going to save everyone. Even those who have not heard the gospel, they will be saved. Everyone will be saved. That's the view of universalism. Um, that's in its basic notion. There's you know, some other variations. Uh, then there's another view that says, all roads lead to Rome view. Okay, I'm, just, I'm just giving you the... Um, the common term, I'm not, I'm not going to bore you with uh, the precise term, uh, but the all roads lead to Rome view is that Christianity and Christ, they're not the only way. All other religions, there are equally valid ways and it's really up to the sincerity, the, the commitment of the individual to, on their own path, make it up. And all paths, all different paths will lead to God. Uh, there's another view that says, well, even if some people don't hear the gospel in this life, they will have a second chance after death. So upon dying, everyone will get an opportunity to hear about Christ. And they have then the opportunity to either reject or receive him. So they may stay in some place where no Christian, no Bible, no church, no missionary, but everyone gets a second chance, or rather it's a first chance to hear about Jesus, and they can then accept or reject. Now when we hear all these different views, and, and trust me that there's, there's a lot more, and my time is limited so I can't go into all of them, I mean, we hear about all these views and you know, maybe there's some of us, or maybe there's a part of us that goes, yeah, you know, sounds plausible. You know, why not? I mean, who's to say that's wrong? You know, how, 
Who knows, right? Well, the question I have is, what does the clear testimony of Scripture say? Well, in the short time I have, I want to bring to you three truths that I trust is from the Bible. The first truth, see in your outline and you can fill in the blanks, see whether you're correct. Those without Jesus are lost and are under God's wrath. First truth, those without Jesus are lost and are under God's wrath. So I refer to you the scripture reading that we read, uh, that my auntie read for us. Uh, we've, been, we've been studying Romans and uh, because of this I've chosen the bulk of the Bible references from Romans. And you see in Romans chapter 1 verse 18, Paul clearly says God's wrath is being revealed. Is being revealed on everyone. Now, why is God's wrath coming on everyone? Because everyone, everyone has enough knowledge of God. Everyone is without excuse. Everyone knows, according to Paul. Okay, this is a clear testimony of Scripture that because they see creation, they see the invisible qualities, they see the power of this God. Everyone has enough knowledge of God, and so they are without excuse that they do not worship and acknowledge and give thanks to this God. And instead of worshipping God, they give their worship to something else. And this is the essence of sin, idolatry. And so God's wrath is rightly coming on all, because all know God and yet all have not worshipped God. We are all guilty and condemned before God. Now we need to be clear about this. Because sometimes we will ask a question in our hearts or sometimes you know, people will say it and we will agree with them. And, and, and the thing is, you know, we might think, hey, surely, surely God will not condemn those who have never heard. Right? I mean, it's a bit unfair. Right? They never had a chance to hear the gospel. Surely God is not going to send them to an eternity in hell of conscious eternal tor- torment just because no missionary got to them in time. I mean... Just because they never heard they're going to hell? Now this is where we must be clear that why we are lost is not because you know, we've just made some bad decisions in our life. Why we are lost is not because we live in some part of the world where no missionary has come and you know, we didn't have a chance to hear the gospel and to accept. No, the reason why we are lost is because we know that there is a creator God and we have not worshipped him. We have given our worship to someone else. We have worshipped something else, someone else. We have worshipped ourselves. There is a God that deserves all our worship and we have not lived giving our worship to him. That is why everyone is guilty and condemned. And so those who have this question will like to think of it. Yeah, I mean, if those who haven't heard, then surely God will, you know, based on their sincerity, let them go into heaven. Because they didn't get a chance to hear about Jesus. How can God condemn them? Now, if you really believe this, then you need to be consistent. And it means that if you manage to talk to, you know, I mean, now in Singapore, there are a lot of uh, people coming from overseas, working here, and you, you meet someone at your workplace who's from, you know, China or whatever, 
you and you ask a person, hey, you know, Mr. Lee, have you heard of Jesus? And Mr. Lee says, hmm? Jesus. Okay, when when your colleague Mr. Lee says that, then if you believe what I just said, then what you must do is you must say to Mr. Lee, then Mr. Lee, if anyone comes and tries to talk to you about Jesus, run! Run far away! Because if Mr. Lee hears about Jesus and he rejects, oh, then he's going to hell. But if Mr. Lee never heard of Jesus and he's a sincere man, oh, then he's going to heaven. Then see, what, what the person who has brought the gospel to Mr. Lee has done is he has condemned Mr. Lee. Mr. Lee was actually on his way to heaven. But the, the person who brought the gospel, hey, two ways to live, you know, da, 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 has actually condemned Mr. Lee. How different it is to Romans 10, where Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. No, it is clear, the Bible's clear testimony, those without Jesus are lost. Now in this section, just to round it off, Paul says in uh, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, the conclusion of this part where he is really emphasizing, making it clear, the lostness and guilt of everyone. Chapter 3, verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike. Now that means everyone in the world. Jew and Gentile. That's everyone. Are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous. Not even one. That's the first truth I want to assert. The second truth, faith in the gospel is the only way for sinners to be saved. The second truth, clear testimony of scripture, faith in the gospel, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the only way for sinners to be saved. So you see there um, in chapter 3 verse 10, no one is righteous. And then verse 9, all under the power of sin. And then we saw in chapter 1, 18, all facing the wrath of God. This is the lostness. This is the reality of everyone without Christ. So what has God done in Christ? Well, just look at the same page, chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. So what is the the state, the reality of everyone outside of Christ? No one is righteous there. We all lack this righteousness. So what has God done in Christ? Verse 24, there in Christ is justification. He has justified us freely. And what does it mean to be justified? What does it mean? It is to, it's for God to declare us righteous. Not make us righteous, but to declare us righteous. So the problem we have, we lack righteousness. What does God do in Christ? He declares us. He gives us the verdict of righteous. Chapter 3 verse 9, we are all under the power of sin. That's our reality. What has God done in Christ? Chapter 3, verse 24, provided redemption. Redemption is the 
saving out from slavery under the master and setting free. We were all under the power, the mastery of sin. In Christ, God has redeemed us. We have redemption in Christ. Chapter 1, verse 18, we are facing God's wrath. Under God's wrath. And what has God done in Christ? God has presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. The atonement that turns away wrath. Wrath that was supposed to come on us, consume us. It has been turned away. Because it has fallen fully and completely on Christ. Christ has taken up and extinguished and fully satisfied God's wrath. So you see, that's why it is Christ and Christ alone who is the way of salvation. Because it is Christ and Christ alone who has done this. This, in Christ, is salvation accomplished. And the gospel, the gospel message is about this salvation that is now accomplished fully in Christ. But it is not enough for salvation to be accomplished. Salvation must also be received, and it must be received by faith. See the same passage, chapter 3, verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who Belief, see, faith in belief, very clear. Chapter 3, verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, da, 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 to be received by faith. Chapter 3, verse 26, God is the one who justifies those who have faith. You see, in just in these few short verses, so many times it is clear, salvation accomplished in Christ, but not enough that it is accomplished. We have to receive it by faith. Faith in the gospel is the only way for sinners to be saved. You see, what an amazing thing God has done. See, we are rightly under his wrath. And someone has said, for God to permit a substitute is remarkable grace. Because we, we are facing his wrath. And if God, the judge, says, okay, okay, I'll permit a substitute to take your place. That is remarkable grace. To provide a substitute is even more remarkable. Okay, okay, you know, you are under, we are under God's wrath and God says, okay, you can have a substitute. But God more, does more than that. God provides a substitute. That is even more remarkable. But God has done even more than that. God has become the substitute. God in Christ, the sacrifice of atonement facing the wrath we deservedly face. That is amazing grace. And so this leads us to the third biblical truth, which is we have an urgent mission to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. We have an urgent mission to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let me get you to turn to Romans 10 which was our responsive reading. And just to see again the inescapable logic that Paul put before us. Verse 11, As Scripture says, Anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. 
verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Paul goes into this series of rhetorical questions. And, and the answer to each rhetorical question is no, or even impossible. Okay, so verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, God, Christ, He has sent His people. Right? Clearly, anyone who claims Jesus as their Lord and Savior must deal with the great commission that our Lord has given us. His final words before He left, ascended to heaven. Go and make disciples of all the nations. So, people have been sent. We have been sent. So, the only possible breakdown in this chain is those who have been sent do not preach. Because every other part in the chain, those who preach, then the people that you preach to will hear, and then those who hear, some who hear because they are the elect, they will believe, and those who believe, they call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Every part of the chain is intact. The only possible breakdown is that those who are sent, and please make no mistake, you and I, if you are part of the church of Jesus Christ, you have been sent. The mission of the church in the world, the Lord Jesus makes clear, is to go into the world to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that at the moment, those people who are now giving their worship to idols or to money or to things or to relationship can rightly give their worship to the one who alone deserves their worship. And this Jesus... By His grace, we have come to know Him. And we want to love Him. We want to worship Him. This is how much He has loved us. This is what He has saved us from. You know, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon was asked the question, What about those who have never heard? Can they be saved? And Charles Spurgeon answered by saying, Well, for me, the more important question is, can those who have heard but do not go and tell the gospel, are they saved? Well, because, uh, you know, Shirley came from OMF, I'd like to end with a story from OMF uh, with Hudson Taylor. Those of you who were at the last church camp, we saw from the dispatches of the front that uh, DVD on China, and they trace Hudson Taylor's steps to Brighton Beach, where Hudson Taylor went to Brighton Beach to recover and to recuperate. You know, he has just spent one stint in China, so he came back. And he went to a church in, in Brighton, but he could not bear to be in that congregation. And he had to leave very quickly. Because he saw in that congregation people who were just happy and secure with their own salvation, with what God had done for them, and they had no notion, no sense of obligation or responsibility of taking what they have now received 
to the nations. They were just happy in their own salvation. And Hudson Taylor could not bear to be in such a church. Now, when I saw that, I prayed to God and I prayed, Father, please grant me the grace that I will not be a pastor, that I will do all that is in my power and in my responsibility prayerfully, that I will not be a pastor of a church that would be like that, that would be filled with people who are just happy about the salvation they have received and feel no compulsion, no obligation, no responsibility to take it to others. No, friends, those without Jesus are really lost. But we don't do this in our own strength. Those that Christ has called, He will justify. He will glorify. And so He uses weak, frail, inadequate, fearful human instruments, even like us, even like Sherlin. What struck me most about Sherlin was just how ordinary she is. She can be used, we can be used by a powerful God. May we have faith to believe that. Amen.